Kia ora, and welcome to Tekupu, or The Word, with me, your host, Christopher Von Roy. Thank you for joining us today on the 1st of December 2021 for episode number 12 with Anke Richter. I was really looking forward to this podcast because Anke's really been an absolute angel in helping me get my writing out there and also giving me advice on drafting articles. She's a seasoned journalist. She writes for several very high-profile magazines and newspapers in Germany and in New Zealand. She's a regular commenter on publications such as the spin-off North and South magazine, of which she's had a couple of cover page stories, and also RNZ and various other outlets. She's written she's the author of several books and is writing a book at the moment all about um cults or as she calls them sex cults so a yoga cult in thailand and two of the most famous cults here in new zealand center point and gloria vale um she's an absolutely intrepid journalist and it was a joy talking to her and her infectiousness and um yeah her joy is infectious and it's just yeah an absolute joy to talk to her and yeah, so we talk about her involvement with the rabbit hole resistance and being the founder of the fight against conspiracy theories. Anka had just suffered a really bad accident when she broke part of her, I think, 12th vertebrate in her spine. So she's largely bed bound. And yeah, so we kind of talk about that at the beginning. And yeah, so now you've got a bit of context listening to that. Yeah, so Anka, incredible that she could join us and hopefully we'll have her on again. And um, yeah, halfway through the podcast, we it cuts out, but we kind of saved it as professional journalists that we are. So here, enjoy. And without further ado, let's welcome Anka to the show. Anke, can you hear me? Hi, Christopher. Hey. Hello. Yes, I can hear you perfectly. <laughs> Wie geht's dir? Should, should we start in German or in English? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. I have to really catch myself not to. I was going to say, hey, Sarah, Anke, wie geht's? <laughs> but like, we can, we can do it in English. Just, just every now and then we just sprinkle it with exactly. English. English. <laughs> I think probably about 8% of the audience will be versed in bilingual German and English so we'll see how many alien in how are you doing how's your back feeling oh my back my back's doing a lot better yeah I'm getting there yeah it's just probably just a matter of another month or two and I'll be uh, jumping on the trampoline again. back to jumping on the trampoline have you been swimming I swim every day it's the only exercise I can do at the moment so that's that's really good but I can't really walk I can't stand much like you know being in the kitchen for five minutes and just making a meal is like uh, gets a bit of a pain um, it's getting better it's okay yeah and, yeah don't feel too sorry for me it's all right i don't know but anyway it's I not should nice I should really do these bastards with their deflated airbag that they let me jump into without telling exactly me. <laughs> so bad um where do you go swimming in the ocean or in the lake in the ocean just nice just i just drive down there and my dogs go in swim for half an hour and come out again and i started this um 
Brilliant. Ocean swimming about six weeks ago and it was still really freezing and you've got to just lower yourself yeah. slowly into the cold water. It's good for the nervous system. I'm sure you've heard about this. It's this yeah. technique everyone's raving about. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I just swim. I just swim. It's great. I love it. It's my, do, it's, my uh, it's my mental health um, do, practice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do the same thing. Anka. I do it in our river here. Oh, but no. I find I can't really get my head underwater for too long because then it just, it's too painful at those yeah. temperatures. Yes, but you know, I think that is the effect that you want. Maybe not too long, but just that you want that sharp headaches that are creeping up. Yeah. And I think it's it's just like a reset for your nervous system. I think that's the good, yeah. that's the good part. Yeah. <laughs> Do you wear a swim cap? No, I just wear an orange cap, um, just like a baseball cap, so people can see me. Oh, um, nice. Jet um, so motions don't run over me, and I have a wetsuit jacket. Um, yeah. I wear gloves, so I, I look really ridiculous. My manners <laughs> and style. So I good. I just swim. You know, in Germany, we learn a different technique of swimming, so I'm just swimming <laughs> in my manners just... style. But hey, I can't go far and well, for long, so. Amazing. Did you do your Seepferdchen? Do you remember that? Yeah. I did the, I had to do Totenschwimmer in the Bundeswehr, which was intense. Oh we had to like stay afloat for four hours without getting out of the pool. People oh, passing out around me. So that's anyway. brutal. It's torture. It is brutal. <laughs> yeah, that's all I relate Germany to at the moment in my mind. So, oh my God. Yeah, you obviously have a, a different connection to there, don't you? At the moment, you still you're still writing for German publications, aren't you? Well, at the moment, I mean, I still have my. Um, normally, it's a bi-weekly column for the Touch, the yeah. left-leaning yeah. um, alternative newspaper. There, um, I've it's quite a big newspaper. Yeah, once once a month because I'm writing a book, so I'm actually turning. All commissions down. Um, I did write a little piece just for the Freitag about the German Querdenker scene. So basically, the anti-vax um, truther scene there. No, sorry, about the yeah. scene here. They wanted to know what what have we got in in New Zealand? Have we even got people like them? I said, Oh, we sure do. So I, oh I, hell I, yeah! But apart uh, from so that, I'm, I'm not this year. I'm actually not writing for any newspapers and magazines anymore because I have a book to finish. So that's hanging yeah. on me. Yep. What's the book? It's on cults, is that right? The book is on cults, that's right. Two New Zealand cults and one international yoga cult and a little bit bit of stuff in between. And, um, yeah, to really um, raise the temperature here, it's about sex cults. Yeah, raise yeah. the temperature. <laughs> For me being the prude interviewer that I am as well, I'm going to immediately dodge that question. But is it the yoga cult? Is that the sannyasins? Or which ones are you talking about? No, that that's the, actually, no. This, actually a, this is actually a gama yoga. A gama yoga yeah. in Thailand, they're still going. Um, I was there in 2018 to help blow them out of the water together with The Guardian and other journalists. Yeah. And they had a massive, massive scandal. And um, sadly, no arrests. And um, still business as usual, even though there was a, you know, they've, they've shrunk and people have turned away from them, but they're still there and up and going. Where is this? That's in Thailand, but they're, they're the biggest, they were the biggest international um, yoga training center in Thailand on Kopangan. Oh my God. I haven't heard yeah. about this. And, and so the ones in New Zealand, are they related to that or are they separate? No, the ones in New Zealand, um, 
I'm not sure if I should give all this away already. No, no, no. Well, don't. If you're, you don't want you to get trouble with your publishers. All you had to say was sex cult. That's probably enough I for people know, to so, so peek we'll, their we'll ears up. You know, center point will be a big part of it. I can tell you that. Yeah. And because I've been probably the I'm probably the person who's written the most about center point in New Zealand. So it yeah. makes a lot of sense that my research is going into that. Um, and yeah. Actually, and yeah, it's actually really satisfying to know that a lot of the work I did seven years ago and then had to ditch it because it just became too taxing for me that I can actually use this and use it now that these voices yeah. can still be heard and I can give them more space and so it's been it's been quite satisfying actually yeah you broke that story didn't you it was a north north and south headline cover story wasn't that yeah, the center point Yes and no. I mean, I didn't break the story as such because Centerpoint was known and had a massive, you know, they had they, they had a massive um, sex abuse and drug scandal. Um, yeah. In the in the 80s, so so it's not like I revealed that. But what I did, I you was, were the first to interview. Yeah. Yeah, I set out to write a book about about the aftermath, and I didn't yeah. actually not that I was naive about it, but I was um, not aware of how much I would come up against. Um, yeah. And so what I did was. And then I actually stopped the book because it became so legally difficult and psychologically difficult. And yeah, I can imagine. I wish I suddenly got cold feet and realizing that this wasn't just a little straightforward story. And so I wrote the making off back then for North and South. Um, yeah. And, and from that, that, that had a roll on effect over the years. It led to two documentaries and to a um, reconciliation um, project. Uh, by a former um, center point survivor and so yeah there's been a lot that's come from that and then this earlier this year I did have a cover story in north and south which was the, an interview with um, one of the sexual abusers from center point John Potter yeah. one of the gurus so yeah that was a bit of a scoop and hopefully a bit of an eye-opener to understand yeah. the dynamics there better and uh, yeah so a lot of that will be in my book and more in the yeah. book I was just talking to my younger sister she's up in Auckland and she told me that um like one of her best friends went to primary school in Albany with the kids of the center point people so she said back then they had no idea obviously when she was a young kid that these were yeah so some of them she's even known to this day so that's yeah. like where it comes closer to home then, you know, that the... It's so close to home because I, I would say, you know, this being New Zealand and only two degrees of separation and hundreds and hundreds of people over, gosh, how many years, you know, like a, more than a decade went through, went through... So, of course, someone would always know someone. It's a bit like with the Lord of the Rings, you know. Everyone knows someone who's worked on the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, 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 true. Even if they just delivered a pizza. So when I say center point, I'm always <laughs> about to get someone who says, oh, yeah, I got my name, I know someone. Up. You know, of course, and especially if you lived in Albany or your parents did or... Yeah. Absolutely. So um, I want to take this whole sort of salacious fascination out of it all. I want, I want, I yeah. want to normalize not normalized center point, but I feel for all these kids who grew up there who didn't have a yeah. chance um, to make a choice about that. And I don't mean I feel for them because they all suffered because that's not the case. Many of them did, but yeah. but for, for many of them also, it was a happy childhood. And, and their trauma now is um, that they're suffering from the stigma of having been, True. having been brought up there. And this is their home too. You know, it's a bit like, yeah. If you think of the DDR, the GDR, Eastern Germany, yeah. you know, of course we all know it was a 
pretty um, bad system, yeah? And 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 there was yeah. Jazzy and there were all sorts of human rights violations and still a lot of people had a happy life in that just because that was their home and 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 to yeah. be respectful of that and not mock it and not just this paint a caricature, especially when it's about things like sexual abuse, you know? So just yeah. oh yeah, hundred percent file commune or something would not do it justice and is actually yeah. traumatizing and damaging for for the kids um who've come out of there and, and a lot of them don't even yeah. Want to mention that they grew up in Center Point? Um, because of course just, not. You know, then you get those. Ooh, what was that like? And what did they do with you? And what you yeah. were, your, were your parents or pedophiles and whatnot? And and don't forget, you know, yeah. in, in some families there were there were sexual abusers and victims, um, and sometimes in the same family, sometimes even as the same person. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah it's, it's pretty complex <laughs> so much more nuanced than you think it is yeah. yeah and this is why writing a book is great because you can be so much more nuanced you're not going for a headline um yeah i'm pressure saying that though i have the time pressure of my deadline hanging over me but it's just more time to go over it also with the people who who are talking to me because they yeah I mean, I couldn't write this book without the survivors. Um, I, I try to avoid the victim because I know they don't like that. So I yeah. couldn't write this book with, obviously without the survivors from these from these groups if they didn't yeah. share their story openly with me. And that means I have to treat so carefully and with so much respect. And they must also trust you, yeah, they must to trust be able to open up. I've got to hold a professional line. And I know, you know, what, I, what needs to go into the book and what makes for a good... But what makes for good writing, for instance, yeah, I have to sort of have the overview and I can't really have someone dictate to me how I need to write a book. But at the same time, um, people trusting me with their personal stories of their most, yeah, some of them with their most traumatic um, incidents in their life. It's, yeah. and I'm not a therapist, you know, I've, it's not like I've been trained how to, how to deal with it, but, it, but the least I can do is give them as much choice as possible, make sure that they are, they have control over what they're telling me, that they're not feeling used, because can you imagine, especially as someone who has been, uh, uh, who has yeah. experienced a sexual and cultic abuse, that they have a very, very good sense for someone using them or someone having control yeah. over them or pushing them or manipulating them so you know it's a it's a fine line to walk between um you know as as, as someone you know like me who needs to and wants to connect with people to help them open up so that they trust me and talk to me and to create this closeness where they know you know i really get i really get it on a human level yeah but at the same time not be manipulative and um or uh uh, you know, pretend that they're my best new friends when what we're doing yeah. is an interview for a book. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's sometimes a difficult psychological um, situation, which most journalists who do this kind of work know. And of course, for me, yeah. because I'm doing it for so long now for this book, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard it's to differentiate, easy, yeah. It's, but it's also really rewarding, Christopher. It's also really, really rewarding because I think whatever comes out of this hopefully will open people's eyes and make them look at um well yeah like you said removing the stigma yeah. yeah it will hopefully lift the stigma and also help um to understand the red flags of things that we might not think of as cults or the things that we're so enthusiastic about and we fall in love with a group and a teacher and a teaching and this is yeah a big thing and we're not really aware of where the where the problematic aspects of that are. And I totally count myself into that as well. So my book is also quite 
personal because I'm yeah. my own um, journey. Oh my God, I actually hate that word. Did I really just use the word journey? I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a rock band. Please put yeah. quotation marks around this, my own transformation. Um, yeah. And, and and I have to be honest and and really show. Look, I've I've also been into into things that I see a bit more critical now, even though they've really helped me at the time. So it's a it's a big well, like a big gray zone. If there is no no cult, I mean, not not the ones that I've looked at is 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 bad from A to Z. You know, there is yeah. always a lot of good stuff or even gold yeah, well otherwise it. people wouldn't be attracted to it exactly right why would, yeah. why would you go why would you even join a group first of all no one joins a cult right you don't join a cult no you, and i'm just quoting one of my favorite cult experts you know you delay leaving something that has been mispresented mis to you so that's wow. the more correct term yeah. exactly because people don't go and join cults. Oh, yeah, I've heard of this cool cult. I want to join. Yeah, no way. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. No one said stupid, right? So they, they maybe ignore certain warning signs, but then it's not that obvious. It's not like there's a there's a stamp on there. It's not like, you know, it's not like there's a certificate that you're not a cult and then you've gone. You've no, gone, exactly. Osh cult. You know what I mean? But it, yeah. The, and actually, we do need that. I think we need more regulatory bodies, for instance, in the in the yoga world. That's actually already happening. We need yeah. people who can really assess. What's the stamp that they give in Germany? Oh, it's like this. Sektenbeauftragte, is this what you mean? Sektenbeauftragte. No, I meant like the, the stamp TÜV. that they get, like a TÜV. Yeah, TÜV, we need a TÜV for cults. Yeah. We need a cult yeah. too. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. To okay. say that this is a safe, but then it's admitting that it's a cult. And again, that's so that's like no cult will want to admit that because there's not a, it's not a positive connotation to that word. Of course not. It, no, no cult yeah. maybe calls itself, itself a cult. No racist. Well, like the Catholic Church is a cult, but like no one calls them that, right? They're a church. So that's yeah, the yeah, irony, I guess. It's, it's, it's a, that's a tricky one, Christopher. I mean, lots of people always say, oh, yeah, but the Catholic Church is a cult. And I would say some aspects of it are absolutely like in cults, like the, um, you know, the amount of sexual abuse and how that's been dealt with or not been dealt with. And yeah. some of the, um, you know, the... I mean, purely power. the ritualistic stuff, elements and the clothing and the whole... See, I mean, if that's... This is where I'd like to correct you. So, okay, good. Cults, yeah. So, cults are not about the clothing or the rituals. You could have the most craziest, batshit crazy beliefs. Even yeah. Flat Earth doesn't necessarily need to be a cult, even though the Flat Earthers are actually a cult from what I know. But um, it's not about the belief. So, it's not about how okay. crazy your belief is. It's not about what you, whether clothing. you chant and whether or your clothing. It's not even about the fact that you might have a guru, a teacher, even though that is often, I mean, that's often where the problems start. Normally is where the problems start is with the leader. Often yeah. Narcissistic, charismatic, patriarchal. Sexually overdriven, yeah. Yes and no, the, yes. Um, even not overdriven, but definitely controlling sexuality in one way or the other. So sex, power, yeah. and money. I mean, good. it's so good to talk about this because I've just been sitting here the last couple of days writing a preface for my book and I had to think about all these things. So you're getting it Amazing. fresh from the whole now. Right? I love it. Free publication. So um, sex, power and money are the three things that run run our world. Yeah, I, I would say yeah. agree on that. they're the three sort of superpowers yeah. that under, you know, the underlying currents in the world. And in cults, they're just being, they're used more as means of control. And, and they're being either yeah. sexuality, they're being that's being either more amplified or, or suppressed. So it can be both. 
Um, so you can get like super promiscuous um, cults where that sort of becomes the doctrine, which is also really detrimental for people. So even though that might sound like fun, right? People yeah. have orgies all the time. Oh, sign me up for that. Oh, that sounds like fun. No, it's actually, yeah. if we look at center point, not that they were having orgies all the time, but yeah, I will reveal <laughs> very much why um, it wasn't all fun and why why being pressured to be promiscuous or, or having an open relationship or just having lots of sex or displaying that in some way or coming across a sexual available is really abusive can be really abusive too just just like yeah. shutting down people's sexuality and and not allowing them to have um you know any any urges or desires at all did you know yeah. that um god i'm so into all this at the moment do you do you know that heaven's gate have you heard of heaven's gate yeah i saw yeah, yeah i recently saw a documentary about them oh my god fascinating super fascinating so did you know that they had this yeah, so they were they were not allowed to be sexual at all. I think nine of their members even castrated themselves just to. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, right. Wow. So they're not a sex cult, obviously, but sexuality or not having any sexuality played a massive part in it, and that's just yeah bizarre. Well, for for most cults, that in some way or another, I mean. But that's also you know, with like Catholic priests. How, you know, so I was just thinking about everything that you're saying right now. And I'm like, how is the Catholic Church not part of all of that? Sex, power, money, not allowing them to have sex, you know, abstaining, nuns being abstinent. Yes, um, so you could say, yeah, but that's not true for all the members of the, for every... Okay, 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 I see well, what you mean. You're absolutely yeah. right. I'm, I'm sure there are some... Um, Domination, what do you call it? Denomination. denomination. Yeah. yeah. Within, within those churches, for instance, Opus Dei is a, I think, yeah. is a is a is a cult within the Catholic Church. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if certain monasteries and certain um, like Orthodox really yeah, strict. Oh, sure. Absolutely, you know that they that they are that they are little cults in their own right. And for instance, um, um, Judaism is a is a is a great example. Yeah, so you have very secular um, Jews and very progressive and even female rabbis, yeah. and then yeah. you have um, fundamentalist Orthodox. Um, yeah, like Chabad Dubavitch, like the really radical. Yeah, right. So, so yeah. there is a whole spectrum. The same with Christianity. To so just say Christians are this and that. It's actually not not true. There is such true. a range from the kind of Christianity I grew up with in Germany, which was liberal and progressive and so on. And let's say. Yeah. Gloria Vale, which will also be in my book, which is a super fundamentalistic, very oppressive. Yeah, like these born yeah. again evangelicals. Yeah. Well, yeah, born again. Yeah, but definitely, um, you know, uh, super fundamentalist Christian cult here in New Zealand, and they really do yeah. care a lot. And they're and the and the human rights um, violations that have been going on there um, for for decades, are just appalling. So I'm. Is it still sure. going on, Anke? Oh, good, yeah. Is it still going on? Oh my God, yeah. And they've have. Um, I mean, many people have left over the last years. Um, probably, gosh, I'm not quite up with the latest numbers, but yeah, between 100 and 200 people in the last um, years have have left. Um, they have lots of court cases at the moment, and there will be more to come. Um, so there is wow so it's still a reality oh man i didn't realize that I just, I just talked to someone um well i don't want to say too much but anyway yeah i'm, I'm in contact with people who've, who've left glory vale and people who are in glory vale and um, i've interviewed lots of them over the last years and i'm going to you know but like center point isn't still going no 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 center point no, that ended a while ago down, um 
in um, in, in 2000. This is when their their trust was finally shut down. And, and so, they, how did that happen? How did that come about? Did they they were were they a limited company or how did the Oh, how, how do you shut something like that down? Well, that was a long, that was a first, first of all, there were the, the police raids in the early 80s where they arrested the guru, Bert Potter, and a lot of the men and women um, who were responsible for the sexual abuse and the drug manufacturing there and so on. I mean, this is massive. It was probably yeah. one of the biggest police raids. It was right up there with the with the raid on, on Kim.com yeah. and on yeah. um, the Eurowera raid. So it's, I think yeah. those, those three, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they were the three biggest police raids. So it def definitely was a massive thing, but that didn't stop the community. So even when Bert Potter came out of prison and, and other men came out of prison, so that it, it still went on. Lots and lots of people had left through the court cases and yeah. the part and it was just too full on and they you know realized what they'd been part of and didn't want any more of it and um but it did carry on and then it morphed into um two other communities and only in only when oh no sorry that happened after it was shut down so it was actually yeah. a lengthy court battle that one of the center anti-center point activists and she's in my book a really yeah. really um brave woman who was um, one of Bert potter's loyalists and then turned into an angry disbeliever and you yeah. often get people like that who were felt really duped and um, by by the guru and have come out of a cult and they're often the ones who then really drive um campaigns to shut the cult down which is good we need people like that because they really understand they understand the mechanics and they also have a personal, um, I wouldn't say vendetta because it's, it's, it's yeah. totally justified. They have very personal, you know, traumatic reasons, reasons yeah. for, for yeah. why they don't, they don't want this to carry on. Whereas you and I, we can sort of go, oh yeah, well, nothing to do with this. Interesting, oh, another cult in New Zealand. Yeah. For some people, this has absolutely ruined their life. So anyway, this brave woman, Barry Leslie, she um, drove, she and uh, 50 others were behind a court case that went on for years where they tried to shut down the original trust and then have all these funds and all the funds were put into a new trust. And this trust um, is there to help center point survivors and, for instance, pay for therapy for, for the former kids or for people yeah. like some of them in my book, you know, who were basically completely stranded and struggle in life and maybe need support with even just like housing or whatever, you know, food and yeah. so on. So the Centerpoint Trust is there. It's like a like a family trust fund of the former Centerpoint family, if you look at it like that. But yeah. obviously the, uh, the abusers and the perpetrators are not getting any of that money. They were paid out back then um, so that they would leave. Got Did any of them see prison school. time? Yeah, I, don't, I hope it's I hope it's interesting enough to go on and on about it. But just to give you an idea, yes. Oh, yeah, no. Shut down. Yeah, and transformed, this is... and transformed into something better. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that was. Um, so in in your book, are you tying all of these together, or are they are there separate cases that you're li lining out, or is it does it weave between, or is that too much to? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, maybe maybe we could skip that question. I was going to say oh, where oh, where where did this unbelievable fascination? Yeah, go on. No, no, you say. Sorry. Where did this fascination with cults begin for you, Anke? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah. It began really early on, actually, when I, I think already when I lived in Los Angeles, when I was in my 20s and lived in LA and I did my training in journalism there and a big part of the city was um, occupied by the Church of Scientology. And yeah. I was just always fascinated by, by cults and I think it started with Scientology and then I went to 
uh, a thing they did in Hamburg um, where the anti-cult um, agency did a big panel about them and some of the Scientology people were there and yeah, I kind of started from there that I always had a fascination, maybe because deep down I was also always looking for other worlds and yeah. other belief systems and maybe also being a German, being um, affected and fascinated by the fact that a whole country was led into um, <laughs> a very destructive belief system yeah. of fascism. I was going to ask you that as well, if you would have classified that as a cult. Yes and no. The, the dynamics um, that, that yeah. we, you know that played out in Nazi Germany, how so many people were radicalized to some degree or in yeah. fervor for a, for a, for the Führer, are not yeah. that different. Those dynamics are not that different to what you see has happened with QAnon in the pandemic. So I yeah. think all these things kind of weave into each other. So yeah, I've always been fascinated with those kind of dynamics of how people get radicalized. I was also for a while. Um, of writing and interviewing um, or looking into the RIF, the Red Army faction. Or yeah, the, the in Germany. Um, yep. So I actually became friends with a woman who, <clears throat> sorry, she was in the RIF and she'd robbed a bank and she was in jail and then fled to um, Cuba. Actually, she fled and, and then to Uruguay. And I was the first journalist ever to visit her there. And wow, in Uruguay. In Uruguay, and we actually became Amazing. friends, and so so that's kind of it's it kind of all ties in with that as well. I've always been interested by people who are um, passionate enough to become fanaticized about yeah. a common goal, and um, you know something with the something like the RIF. I can probably understand the goal better than let's you can say, rationalize it better yeah you know, same i was about to say it, even though yeah. i don't justify the means but i i can no. i can resonate with that more than let's say with um gloria bell right but on yeah. the other hand what i resonate with with gloria bell is that people wanted to just live peacefully on their land share all resources have a supernatural lifestyle not be consumerist so Again, they're often valued. Which is, yeah, so there are overlaps. I Just for the listeners, yeah. the Baraha Meinhof gang was kind of fed up with German capitalism and its complicity with American imperialism. And totally. so they were like radical leftists, I guess you could radical say. Radical leftists, they were called terrorists, yeah. which is probably true. Um, yeah. You know, in the, yeah, in the, how we apply the word in that context. Yes, they, they were yeah. um, left-wing They did bombings, yeah. 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 Um, and at the same time, and not just because I became friends with them, I was always very fascinated by them as well. And I think they operated like a cult in many ways as well. Well, especially the more they were pressured and the more they were, you know, driven underground and all of that, and the more the pressure yeah. came on, on them in jail. So a lot of those dynamics are not just, yeah, like I said, it's not about people chanting um, and talking no. about wearing red robes. Cultic dynamics are in so many organizations, groups, um, even, you know, especially also in multi-level marketing um, that I know yeah, right big time. Day where you live, Christopher. There are a few people yeah. doing all sorts of stuff from essential oils to vitamin superpower drinks and whatnot. So yeah. also these are also uh, I would say cultic organizations because of the way they suck people in and the language they use and the 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 the, um, the emotions they play on and the friendships they exploit and the 
yeah, all of that. So it's a, it's a wide field. <laughs> but when you went and yeah, yeah, go on. No, I was just saying, but um, I'm 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 kind of narrowing down more to what I would call sex cults in my book. Yeah. So, yeah, because I was going to say that in the in terms of the RAF in Germany, that would have been absent that angle, or as far as I know. What the sex? You mean? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if they had any prescribed. <laughs> I doubt it. Like for me, like I honestly don't see them as a, in my mind. I saw them as these like ideological freedom fighters, a bit like the 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 Irish, same oh, Republican, like you know, IRA. Yeah. Um, their goals were, yeah, freedom for the people and, like, get rid of all these rich capitalists and naive, but, like, kind of, like you said, we can rationalize it easier in our heads, where I wouldn't necessarily see them as these sex-crazed, I'd see them more as intellectuals reading books in the library and, you know, where sex is, is, is more of a distraction to their, to their goal. So the, the goal oh, is a lot clearer than Gloria Vale, I, I, I guess. Apples and pears right now, so I can totally see why you're idealizing them a bit as well, because I am too. And I think they they were no more more or no less sexual than any um, sort of any human left wing commune. <laughs> com okay. In the seventies, yeah. I mean, there were children of their time, and of course there was um, True. freedom and all of that amongst them. And some of them had um, monogamous relationships, and probably some didn't. And I'm sure there were probably more um, on the spectrum of no one owns anyone and all of that but that yeah. wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't what they were fighting for it wasn't at the forefront of of the their their revolution so no they were definitely in the sector what i was saying was that they, uh. they were kind of like a cult in many ways yeah the leader um how how they were with each other the the the, the, the internal dynamics the the internal language there are lots of lots of markers and um and they're not the only one it's actually true for most um radical political groups that they are um on the cult spectrum so yeah a few years ago i went to this fascinating i went to my first cult conference in manchester so i'm a wow. big fan i'm a big fan of the of they're called ICSA, ICSA, International yeah. Studies Association. And um, check them out. Yeah, I Get will. Money, you know, <laughs> get recruited. Oh. We'll put them in the show notes, 100% get people to go <laughs> there and donate. So. They're just a really great non-for-profit non organization, and mainly um, started from former cult members and their academics in there and survivors of yeah. groups and cult experts and people like myself who, who are passionate about cults or, or research them. And they hold really cool conferences every year. So I would have been a speaker actually there last year, but it hadn't been for COVID. But the year before, wow. I went there for the for the first time, and it was such an eye opener. I actually wrote a piece about it for RNZ. We can put that put that in the show. I'll notes. put the link in that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for instance, I met this um, this cool guy there. Look, he really is. He still looks like a supermodel because he was once a Hollywood supermodel. Um, wow. And yeah, and a, and a Yale graduate, and just you know, he had it all: money, fame, looks, um, yeah. friends, you name it. And still, he was um, deep, deep in a doomsday cult. Well, not when I met him, but like way back in the eighties, nineties, when he was also a Hollywood supermodel, which completely wow. screwed up his life. And he actually later tried and sue. He tried to sue the cult to the grounds. And fascinating story. Super yeah. interesting guy. So he now goes to conferences like this and actually he's making a documentary anyway. What I learned from him was really like don't make assumptions about what people in cults look like or are like or where they come from or, or so on because he was clearly so the 
anti-type, the anti-stereotype or the anti-type yeah. of what we think of, you know, lost souls, you know, out, yeah. and out, you know, no place to go and belong, stupid, and they end up with a with a greedy um, cult leader, yeah? That's not yeah. How, how it works. And he's really opened my eyes for that we, um, it's a massive, it's not just is it a, a misconception, but we actually make it worse uh, or make it easier for cults to do harm if we don't understand that. If we, if we think, oh, it's never us, we wouldn't be in a cult. It's not us. You know, people like us are not in cults. Well, yeah. that, that, that doesn't help because then we don't actually see um, those red flags and that we're all susceptible and that we all, each one of yeah. us, like, you, you too, I have it too. We all have something where something could land in a certain time of yeah. our lives because of our circumstances. Maybe you're just going through a health crisis. You've, you've, you've been through a massive shakeup. You, you've been through a breakup. You yeah. lost your job and, or, or you're just fed up with mundane life and you know, there must be more and, and, and you're just hungry for some more meaning. And some people teach you a really cool meditation technique and you get a lot out of this. And then you go on a retreat with these people and think, wow, these are really cool people. I found my tribe, amazing, amazing. And you do the next thing and the next thing. And before you yeah. know, three years and, and $10,000 later, you're, you're yeah. something that might or might not be quite cultish, yeah? So, yeah, and especially thinking in the terms of like a yoga where there's like a communal activity involved that's really good for you and- totally. There, I could see, yeah, you could yeah. easily fall into that trap. Um, yeah. And then I'm thinking, like, pretty much, I mean, I'm just like, where does it stop? I'm like, isn't New Zealand, like, the country a cult? Isn't Germany with its flag and its language and, you know, the idiosyncrasies? Like, where do you draw the line? And then my other question was, yeah. does there always have to be this, um, like, malicious element? Does it always have to be something negative? Or are there cults that you've studied that, haven't really done anything bad, or is that a prerequisite for the definition? Okay, these these are all really big questions. So first of all, okay. <laughs> isn't, isn't everything a cult? Because that's what you're kind of saying. Well, yeah. you know, I hear that a lot from people who have been in cults and who are maybe a bit embarrassed that they were a cult and they don't in a cult, yeah. and they don't really want to see their former group, even though they're you know they're pulled out and they're critical, but they don't really want it there because a cult because it makes them an ex cult member, and no one wants that on them. So no. I hear that, that argument a lot from people, um, just like I've heard a lot from people who were in, involved in pyramid schemes. So a few years ago, I, I investigated and pulled out this, um, this so-called gifting circle thing called circle, a women's gifting circle, <laughs> grifting yeah. circle, I would call them now grifting circles. So <laughs> grifting circle, brilliant. Where you, but they're made to look like they're women's empowerment schemes and you, you pay in 5,000 US dollars and you can walk away with 40,000. So clearly that's not yeah. a sustainable model and some people really get burnt and hurt and, and it's a really super toxic um, culture, even though it comes across very sweet and supportive at first. Long time, yeah. a long story short, and when I interviewed women who were in that, I'm like, oh my God, the times I've heard oh, the whole world is a pyramid. You know, someone even drew that on a yeah. picture for me. Look, there's a CEO at the top and here's your pharmaceutical. It always came with pharmaceutical companies. Here's your CEO at the top. Yeah. The pyramid. So it's a bit of a cop-out for people who are actually involved in cards yeah. schemes to say, oh, the whole world is there, is like that, okay? So yeah. I, I think we need to distinguish. On the other hand, cult is such a loaded word and it's a very unprecise word either. So most cult experts um, that I know or don't really use the word they say high control groups 
or wow, okay. really yep. neutral, they say, new religious movements. But then an MLM scheme, what we just talked about, is not a religious movement. So again, it doesn't quite cover all of it. So I'm quite happy yep. to stick with cults um, because even though we have a certain we have certain images in our head, so I want to use the, the, the word, while at the same time I want to be a bit of a myth buster and say, look, let's really understand what, what cults actually are. Yeah. So the last question was, um, and this does is, it always have to have nefarious? Yeah. Yeah. So and and the um, your last question was about eth are there any ethical good ones? Yeah. Good ones, and that, there is actually I think it's even a book out there. Is that there's a great writer there who's tackled those people who are far more knowledgeable about all this than we have tackled these big questions. Is an ethical cult possible? That was actually a podcast episode of my favorite podcast, Conspirituality. Cons yeah, amazing. I'll share that as well. You will so put that in the show notes because it's the best, it's the best podcast. Sorry, and yours is the best, of course, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah, you made me listen to it. I listened to that and I fell in love with those guys. They are brilliant. Totally yes. right. And I think it yeah. went for those guys, you know, and we will jump, we jump over to the rabbit hole group and all that soon. But if it went for those guys, I think I wouldn't be doing some of the activism and doing, and it's certainly also helped me with writing wow. the book. It's definitely done, you know, informed me in lots of ways to understand cult and cultic dynamics better. So they had a great episode yeah. about um, is an ethical cult possible? God, I can't sum it all up now, but I... No, we'll no, get them to listen to it. Yeah, listen to it. But I, I would say, um, it's tricky. I mean, we could, maybe I should be more precise, precise and always say harmful cults, yeah, because there are lots of... Yeah. So if you just, if we define, it's all about how we define cults. So if we just define yeah. cults by... People with crazy, wacko beliefs forming little groups that are a bit of, of the outside of the mainstream, then I would say, yeah, I mean, there are thousands and thousands of them around the world, and they're not all harmful. They're not yeah. all doing harm. Yeah, we don't need to bust them all. We don't need to call them all out. We don't need to be all alarmist about it. We certainly don't have to demonize people just because they they believe in something different and they want to live differently. I'm, I'm a total libertarian, and I think it's super yeah. important that we, we always keep the balance there, that we're not, you know, I'm... I, I support communities and communes, yeah. and I, I think we need to have counterculture. Freedom of expression, yeah. Freedom of expression, yeah. all of that. You know, I go to Burning Man. Man, that's a whole. Some people would call that a cult. You know, that's a whole yeah. culture festival. You know, thing, um, which again, again, has probably its its shadow sides and and weak points too. But you know, we're all part of something that we're passionate about, and that should be allowed, and that that, that shouldn't be shut down, and so on. Yeah, I didn't want to lose that momentum right there. So when does a group become a cult? That was your, you're just about to race into that. Wow, I probably talked about for five minutes about that. <laughs> 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 so basically you cut right at that question. I'm so sorry. Higher, higher power, higher power stopping us. But I was about to say, this is Jesus. Um, what's going on? What's going? On? So yeah, um, so it's 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 a bit of a question of semantics as well because if we just see cults as just groups with weird beliefs and um, and did I did I talk about Kiwi Burn and all this with you before? No. Yeah, you you literally no, you hadn't talked about Kiwi Burn. You talked okay, about Burning. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, Burning Man, Kiwi Burn. I did mention that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, I'm not quite sure where we cut off, but uh, what I was what I was saying was, and, it, and, and you just said some people could call Burning Man a cult. That's literally all you oh, said about okay, it. Okay, cool. So yeah. a cult, and yeah, and there are probably some um, you know there are probably some problematic sides to to Burning Man as well, and and right. not I wouldn't say from a cultic aspect, but maybe in some other things. So no. 
no, no subculture is without its, its flaws or potential um, problematic dynamics and so on. But when does it become a cult? So it's more about yeah. being, being um, watchful or having a, a good sensor for these, these red flags that can come up in any sort of sports group, festival community, yoga group, meditation group, um, group, group, group. Yeah, it's normally a group. Yeah. Uh, social media, echo chamber, you name it. So the more we are, we're just aware of certain dynamics and how to spot them, and especially around charismatic teachers, because they usually yeah. come, come with the leadership um, as, when, as with any organization, right? If, if, if it's sort of rotten from the top, it's hard to change the culture from within. And, and I've just looked into this big yoga school there in, in Thailand where people are so passionate about the teachings and they try to change it from within and they wanted to keep the teachings and not throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I've, I've heard yeah. this over and over again from other cats as well. I think it's really, really difficult as long as that person at the top is still sitting there and not moving and still pretending like gotcha. they haven't done anything wrong, um, especially if they're rapists. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it's... Um, but uh, are ethical, are, are, are good cults possible? I mean, some people use it sort of jokingly. Oh, there's one sex cult you might have heard of, orgasmic meditation. I don't know, one taste from San Francisco. So No, I haven't heard of them. No, they've brought orgasmic meditation. One taste. Yeah, one yeah. taste is the name of the company, of the of this this San Francisco outfit it's been super successful to bring orgasmic meditation into the world which is a, a certain technique um yeah to enhance like, your, your connection with a with a partner and with your own body and whatnot so they've created so, this whole ritual and the whole philosophy around it and the and courses and merchandise and you name it and they have actually mock and they have a charismatic leader at the top a woman called Nicole de Dome. yeah and they've actually, and she has sort of mockingly, she has deliberately said, yeah, yeah, we are a cult. We're like a really cool cult. We're, she's we're, embraced it, yeah. She's totally embraced it, which is super smart because kind of yeah. means, you know, whoever comes up, ooh, you look and act like a cult, she can say, yeah, because, you know, we are, but we're doing it in a, in a good way, you know? Yeah. Hey, yeah, come on board. It's cool. It's cool to be in a cult, kind of. She kind of made it <laughs> Amazing. But you know what? They were actually busted by the FBI, and um, there's a fantastic podcast about them, which we should link in the show notes by the BBC. Yeah. Um, it's called The Orgasm Card, and yeah, it gives really good insight into how they turn into a card, or what the really what the dark, dark, and really pretty quite horrific dark underbelly of that group was. So. Yeah. <sighs> Amazing. So I was going to say, so does culture does cult come from the word culture? I mean, it must do, or is that, is there, do you know what the Latin undertone is? I would just, quote? I haven't, quote. I haven't um, researched that, um, I, and I will for my book, of course, I'm sure I'll have to have an I'm sure you won't be the first one asking me that. It's, it's, it must be related, and I've heard yeah. in a, in a group that I was part of, and quite passionate about, and that was sometimes called um, a cult, and then I always heard our, you know, I still remember our, our leader, facilitator, whatever, in the course saying, we are not a cult. We are. We've created a culture. We haven't created a cult. <laughs> Amazing. So, so that would be ironic if it means yeah, culture. Right? So we could we could debate about that. Does cult come from culture? Or, and I mean, you know, cult. When you when you use the word cult in, in German, for instance, or something is 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 cult. 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 means it's yeah, cool. It's yeah. Cool. It's cool. It's like wow. It has a great following. It's like it's the, hip. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the latest hot shit. You know. That's that's a cult. yeah. 
so yeah it's a, it's a big word i mean of course i'm going to use it for my my book just because in the book for the time well, let's let's put it this way, Anka. When you bring that book out, you'll come back on again, and then oh you can give God. us the exact definition. Be um, so, I wanted to segue to uh, a group that hasn't quite yet become a cult <laughs> that you helped organize whilst facing the the pandemic of misinformation happening in the world with anti-vax and stuff. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about how the naming of this thing and why the need for bringing yeah this into existence to. thank you and it's great that you're a member of that so we're actually talking about two groups right so the one you probably yeah. is rabbit hole resistance <laughs> yeah which we'll relink that as well yeah link that as well because that's a group that anyone can join as long as they um you know respect the rules and they're not there to to spread misinformation within that group well i just wanted to say as well anka absolutely incredible like i think laura right reiniger she is so good at like vetting people. Like I, I've invited people to the group and she'll write to me and be like, oh, their, their um, profile is on private. I can't really figure out what they're about. Do you vouch for them? Have they ever said anything? So like really, really careful at vetting people so as to not allow yeah. rampant, crazy anti-vax people to disrupt the dynamic that's in there. So yeah, I'm okay. amazing. I just want to say kudos. Yeah, that's off to that. I would definitely yeah. pass that on. And that's just to give some, some context around that. So um, RHR, or Rabbit Hole Resistance, sprung up from just a small group of four um, passionate festival lovers. And we yeah. didn't really know each other in person who um, wrote an open letter to Luminate last year because Luminate up in Golden Bay, you would know it, of course, they yeah. posted some pretty awful conspiracy stuff like links to David Icke and whatnot, quite anti-Semitic yeah. um, content further down the line on their website. And they've been spouting all sorts of COVID and anti-vax misinformation back then mainly just anti-COVID because vaccination wasn't even the topic. Think, yeah. um, at the beginning of the pandemic. So we were really um, alarmed about them and, and um Leo um, Musafa Murray, a really cool, cool DJ and festival person, um, wrote a, a letter, an open letter that was signed. Um, we have to with that. It was signed by over sixty musicians and DJs and like Marlon yeah. Williams, and it really created wow. momentum. And um, it was published in, in the press, um, and it really caused a bit of a stir, not just in Golden Bay and for and for Illuminate and for their festival and everything, but I think also for people in the in the in the festival in the alternative world, um, yeah. those those spaces where I also like to move, that they actually saw, wow, not all of us are falling for this conspiracy bullshit. Yeah, some some of us are really concerned about this. We want to name it and speak up about we and we we're not okay with that. We want to raise what awareness. And you know this being New Zealand we're both, you know, originally from Germany, you know, it's not yeah. the dumb thing here that you speak up and you make a big fuss about it or you you, you call something out. Actually, it was more a, lot, more a calling in, really. This is what Leo also called. It was more calling in yeah. than calling out. Like, more like, hey, nice. are you actually aware of what you're doing and we're not okay with that and are there better ways? It was more like that. It wasn't like, hey, we want to cancel you, yeah? Um, yeah. So we did that, and and from that, it just created this momentum that we thought, well, okay, what what next? And then you know, I had this idea of of a Facebook group, and basically came up with a name overnight. When I had dinner with such a, a great name, and yeah, I have to give it to her. Her name is Breeze, and she's my my 
dear friend here in uh, Littleton and she works yeah. at Homs and I had dinner with her and I said, oh, we have this name and Rabbit Hole Refuge was my idea. It's <laughs> also good. Yeah, but then she said, she said, yeah, but it sounds like you're taking refuge in the rabbit hole. Actually, you don't want <laughs> to be in the rabbit hole, right? So you need to have no. resistance. I said, you got it. Resistance is cool. So, you know, anyway, and then it just started from there that we had this, we set up this, this group with some other friends who were already supporting this open letter and so, so we were a little subgroup and it grew and it grew and some of us became the admins and I'm just so stoked how it's you know one year and 1600 members later and like you said so much vetting I mean we could have twice or three times as many people in there but there's a really strict vetting process to also filter out the ones who come in there as as moles to from you know from groups like voices for freedom or so you know we're definitely on the radar now yeah. some of the antivex groups saying that though we are our kaupapa is kindness compassion as you know um every day in rabbit hole if someone gets a bit something gets a bit heated and someone says oh i'm you know sick of these idiots with their anti-vax bullshit well that that actually is you know we try not to do that we're, we're there no. to support each other because each one of us has someone who they love, a family member, a friend or so, yeah. who has um, fallen um, maybe for some real misinformation. And I'm not just, I'm not talking so much about people who are um, hesitant and have questions and are not quite sure about the vaccine, but there are some people who have really fallen deep into rabbit holes where they think they can't share a bed anymore with their with their spouse because the spouse yeah. is shedding now because they were vaccinated or they don't go and see their grandchildren anymore um, because yeah. of, or, or all sorts of things. I mean, this has caused so much division in not just in, in the country, but also directly in families and so on. And yeah. so, so this, this group really is a sanctuary um, for people to support each other, to, to share some resources about how to, how to support yeah. people, how, how to best communicate around these topics. When you know yeah. someone is really you've kind of lost them and there's anger and aggression and it's i think it's fantastic it's, it, it's, oh, it's beautiful it's a form of like group therapy in a way like and everyone's <laughs> been through this trauma yeah. and it's like don't worry you'll get through it there's light at the end of the tunnel and yeah. they kind of help pave the way and every case is obviously unique in its own right but it's there are some you know some things that you can do and behaviors you can enact that can help pull people out of this hole that they've fallen into i mean it's not 100 percent, but and then the rabbit hole is resistance is backed up by this other organization that you've been yeah. grateful enough to let me join which is fact which is fact fight which is the acronym for fight against conspiracy theories it's also um, amazing and 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 same as rabbit hole we have quite a diversity there so if, you, if i look at the rabbit hole group and how it's first strung up from my festival friends and so on we have such a range of um, people from different walks of life there, nationalities, um, ethnicities, um, you know, some really very, you know, cut and dry science people and others who are, um, you know, into some spiritual beliefs and maybe homeschooling their kids and, and, yeah. and into alternative healing as well. But at the same time, um, are not having any of the, you know, of the misinformation and of the conspiracy beliefs. And with fact, yeah. it's, it's, it's almost like, yeah, it's the more, um, it's basically an, an educational and activist group. Um, yeah. We are campaigners. So we're just, a, I mean, you're in there, Chris, but um, yeah. we're, we're, so we're a bunch of um, randoms, <laughs> volunteers, yeah. doctors, scientists like yourself, um, educators, 
Um, and then some people who are not quite sure what their job is, but they spend a lot of time just online and some of these um, data gatherers. Yeah. And, they, and they're just hunter gatherers. Exactly. And, and we need them. And that is so good. And they find stuff and they are god i mean i would go insane i would i would i would be in a deep dark depression if i had to look on telegram every day and see what's oh happening. i don't understand how they could do that how can they do like that? It's oh man I mean, david farrier does it as well like i'm just like how on earth do you stay sane yeah how do you stay sane that, and, and, and actually we need to really look after each other in that group as well yeah we have to stay sane because we're we're, we're, we're putting ourselves out there with the information that we share. Um, we work with media outlets. Um, yeah. we, we try and educate. For instance, we went and talked to NZ Spirit Festival um, earlier this year and helped them to implement some health and safety measures so that they wouldn't turn into platform a big platform for anti-vex um, yeah. you know, propaganda. Stuff like that, or when uh, actually the act, our first action, if I remember this right, and I just loved, I just loved it. Our first action was um, when Billy Tekaika, who was still quite active, yep. then, he was he was going to um, protest outside of MIQ hotels, uh, quarantine hotels here in Christchurch, and for the what he thought were political prisoners and so on. And we knew that he was he was going there and he was going to make a big, um, you know a big show and dance and stink and whatnot and and we thought oh my god it's it's hard enough you know for people running those hotels and the last thing they need is this political yeah. going up with this you know spouting their conspiracy theories and anger at him so and we're, we're just a small grassroots group we thought you know we can't really stage a counter protest and it would just give him more um publicity and so on and yeah what we did instead was we printed these big cards that said hey thank you Thank you for keeping us safe, MIQ. And we showed up at the at these hotels earlier. We we got in touch with them. We had permission. Amazing. There, and we we handed them those cards, and um and we had the media, you know, some of them the media there. So you know, those kind of so proactive, positive things. And we've yeah, that's yeah. an open letter against um Simon Thornley, a really um controversial um academic um. Who, yeah, who's been on our radar? So things like that. We 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 find stuff, and we kind of like our own little um, megaphone, and yeah. um, and we work with people who we really respect and support, like David Ferrier. He's gotten information from us about Sue Gray, so he could finally help to blow to blow Sue Gray out of the water. The Nelson lawyer, who's behind yeah. a lot of the um, vaccine misinformation, and I think that was so needed because you know everyone knows about Billy TK and about um, Brian Tamaki and it's easy to yeah. mock and shame them and so on but we kind of forget that there's some really big white you know Pakeha yeah. um, influence They're running under the radar yeah under the radar because they they, they were educated or seem more educated um, they have a law degree they, they well she's also says degree. she's got a microbiology degree so I've heard her speeches going right. and she is a good speaker you know I mean but speaker, if you if you can no, see she, behind it yeah yeah so you know she was a, she was a kind of a, a legalized cannabis campaigner so she's got lots of yeah. in that camp so it's not so easy to spot the crazy in her at first like it no. was, was some of some of the like you know uh, destiny church pastor you know who, who, who claims that um gay people cause earthquakes pretty easy to take him down and not <laughs> shame him, yeah. right? but but still exactly. great, at first glance she's, she she could be one of us you know she she is from that yeah. and she she campaigns for for um legalizing 
cannabis and yeah. um, and 1080, even though I'm completely at opposite ends with her on that one. But anyway, yeah. she, she's kind of in that camp. So she's the dangerous we, one that people could take serious. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we also have to be aware of the of the um, ingrained racism there, you know, that yeah. our blind spot. Um, and with us, I really mean us, like you and me, you know, who yeah. are the Pakeha that we we also, you know, that we're careful not to point finger at someone who, who's Maori and doing and spouting, yeah. spouting yeah. Really problematic stuff, that we should do it to an equal amount or even more so to yeah. the white influencers who, who had far more privilege and far better chances in their lives to come to a better understanding of science and, and information. Well, that's what I've said to people as well who've said, oh, look, there's a Maori have such a low vaccination rate. And I was like, First of all, the statistics are skewed. And second of all, of any group in New Zealand that has a right to be skeptical about what's going on, it would be Maori. If you look at the history, it's like they have every right, um, ethically, morally, culturally, you know, for what has been done to them as a people by white Pakeha. And this is just another white Pakeha medicine being handed down. But to tell you the truth, the people that I follow on Twitter and Instagram, like they're they're real leaders within the Maori community and they are some of the most outspoken people for pro-vaccination that i have seen and some of the most effective as well using like little tiktok videos and all that stuff so oh, amazing well, um, endless respect i mean those are my heroes in our territory at the moment are those EV yeah. leaders are those community leaders are those people when we had the big vex saturday you know all these these groups yeah. going around doing doing a haka and a dance and whatnot and just giving it all I mean, yeah. honestly, I just I just get goosebumps thinking about that. And yeah. if, you, if you think of how much more close-knit um, Maori communities are and, and how important those, you know, it's... it's yeah, it's of course. So I shouldn't yeah. be speaking from, on behalf of Maori, but I can imagine that there is more of a sense of unity being Tangata Whenua in New Zealand. So I guess it also takes more to even then say, hey, I'm taking this position and I'm taking that even yeah. though some of my people think differently. And yeah. you call it out within their own people if they see that someone is doing a really bad job, yeah, yeah. Or really has really fallen down the rabbit hole. And it's such a fine line to walk about how how do you call someone out and stop what they stop the spreading of their misinformation, stop them from doing more harm, but also yeah. how do you how do you um, not cut them off you know how do you still love them basically it's it's engage it's, them yeah, yeah exactly and keep them within the conversation and, and, I, and i guess you know and a lot of iwi that's that's the thing they they're, they're doing and they're doing it well and i have endless respect because it's it's often not that different from um people who are in cults it's kind of the same thing you're you're not gonna you're not gonna get anywhere if you if, if your best friend's drifted off into this this yoga cult and 10 years five years later she's behaving really weirdly and all she talks about is that group and she's moved in with them and 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 she's she's just spending all her money there and you're really worried you're not going to get anywhere if you tell her actually i've googled all this stuff about your guru and that's a really dodgy person and it's just crazy what you guys do there and i wouldn't yeah oh that you're not going to get there anyway no. she's going to pull further away from you and further into into her group and you yeah. can't reach her anymore so the only thing you can do we can do and it's the same for for people on the other side of the fence is that we still see them as people that we we still respect them we still show them we love them and not in a patronizing way but that we we also try and when we have a chance to sit down with them and meet them first of all that it's not all about just are you vaccinated well how do you stand on this you know if they're constantly yeah. confronted with that if that becomes the only topic of 
conversation, um, you, you're going to, you're going to, it's going to have a detrimental effect. But if you can actually yeah. focus more on all the things that are not, have nothing to do with that, yeah, like the, if you say, hey, come on, we used to play soccer together, come and join me, you know, on the on the football field, let's do that, yeah, you know, go and see a movie, like so we can yeah. actually, we can actually get something else into your head than just what your guru has just said or what QAnon spouts or what this latest anti-vax exactly. um, video has told you, yeah. Get get them back into more like a normal life into 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 things that they that you share as common interests. So so it doesn't just all evolve around. And then maybe if they if they open up and say, oh God, you know, you know, I'm actually you know I'm unemployed now because I choose not to be vaccinated. Then you could you know gently gently say, yeah, well, I was wondering why did you actually choose that? And is there something? Yeah. What would you need to know? That would have helped you at that time. Maybe we can still help you with that information. Or you know, you you know better than yeah. me because you're really great. Um, I've seen the things that well, you out. Amazing, amazing. Um, so I was going to say two things from, especially in that, like I've been contacted by here in Golden Bay, which is like a hotspot for this misinformation, yes. and it's also you know really bad with vaccination rates i think we're at 65 percent, and that is a generous estimate um i've had a lot of people contact me that are in partnerships where one partner is anti-vax the other one is on the fence and like this happens nearly on a daily basis so i've compiled this little email that i send them and i yesterday i had a woman ask if she could meet up with me because she needed a face-to-face -face reassurance because she want, was getting her vaccine on wednesday and um, and so I've researched, like, the only way you can really um, help your partner if you've decided you're going to get vaccinated and everything is, is empathy and compassion, as hard as that sounds, yeah. is you have to listen, you have to love, and you just can't move away from that. Because like you just said, anything that you say that's negative or, like, are you an idiot, like, it alienates them. And the minute you've done that, you've lost them. Yeah. And they're going to they're gonna retreat further into their... And so I wanted to end on a positive thing as well from that Conspirituality podcast that you sent me and that we're going to link to as well. Them saying that there's like worldwide, the, the misinformation that's spread on Facebook in particular is 12 people that are basically responsible for nearly 70% of all misinformation on Facebook. That's and they've crazy. already identified them. Like, it, like I, when I heard that, I was like, what? Yeah. How can this be like, yeah. you know, on one hand, Facebook is great. But on the other hand, if it if it leads to that, you know, where these people can literally and hopefully groups like, you know, rabbit hole resistance can somehow. I mean, that's the one thing I love about it as well, where people pop up and they're like, oh, I've just seen this. Can you hop onto this discussion thread and help me out? And then a couple of people go over and try and back up people within a discussion that's happening around anti-vax which is just super fantastic and thank it's you so really much cool. for organizing that yeah, yeah but we're, but we're not a, we're not a, an army to get go out there and swamp anti-vax pages that's that's actually not what what our setup is right i mean no. it's more that we can support each other and and also you know we we've had people in our group who are also struggling around some questions. It's not like, I mean, it's a very diverse group. It's not like everyone thinks exactly the same about the mandates, for instance, yeah? And, and yeah, I, I exactly, yeah. On that too. I, I mean, there isn't, you know, it, there, there is no, no silver bullet um, for, for everything anyway. There isn't a one fix um, solution and if everyone just subscribes to this, magically the pandem pandemic is over, all problems are solved. Yeah. It's, not that easy and I think our group reflects that as well and I, I really like that sometimes can people can also voice their, their doubts to some degree and they can be honest and say I'm really 
I'm really in two minds about something here. And then and others can come and say, hey, look, maybe you know it helps you if you if you to understand if you understand that and that and that. I just think it's such quality discussions. Yeah. Ideally, we could have them on the outside. And so I would love to see you as a speaker, Christopher, in at the Takaka Library or yeah. other places where people can ask. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> it's in the works as much yeah. as I'm anxious about it, but it's in the works. My, I told my mom, my mom, and she was like, You're gonna have to get one of those plastic things that the pope stands behind when he's in his car because <laughs> people will be throwing eggs at you but um okay so i wanted to ask you so anka i'm like halfway through this amazing book that you've written and it's in german um which i was trying to come up with a translation for that into english because it's a saying isn't it you can't can you it's almost shouldn't I mean, if you, if, yeah. you literally, if you literally um, translate it, it, it means, what do I care about the sheep? But it's far more funny in German. Yeah. It's not funny in English at all, but it's funny in German. No. It's a pun. And sheep yeah. also means shearing, like sheep shearing. So yeah, exactly. it's a double meaning. And I have to admit, I didn't actually come up with it. It's the best title ever. And I, I didn't, it was, it was someone in my publishing company. And, <laughs> you're you're uh, so good at, you're so good at delegating praise for these genius <laughs> ideas, Anke. You don't take any of it. So, this, was it ever um, translated into English? No, lots of people have no. asked me. But as you're reading it now, you probably understand why it wouldn't really work in English. Yeah, so I was, yeah. The joke's a bit on the Germans, first of all. And I think you have to be yeah. willing to be self-depreciating enough. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think there are a lot of stuff in there. It's not so much a book about um, New Zealand, even though it seems to be. So the book is about, it's my story of a, an immigrant in God's own as a new arrival here from, from Germany. Um, it's it's heavily caricaturized. It's like a yeah. mockumentary in some ways. So something yeah. very exaggerated. Everything is kind of based on facts and true stories. But as you can see, I have fictionalized a few things. Yeah. And so it's a, it's, a, it's a fun read. But um, so it's it's a bit, uh, yeah, it, it's it's. It's kind of a satirical book about being a German immigrant in New Zealand, but it's not so much satirizing New Zealand, but also it, it. I'm kind of taking a hard look at being a German as well, right? Being exactly. German, but you capture the idiosyncrasies of New Zealand so well in it. I absolutely love it. And I was thinking while I was reading it, I was like, man, can I, could I translate this? Could I not? And then I always come to bits where I'm like, no, nah, this wouldn't work. Yeah. but what i wanted to ask is where did you get because it's so funny it's like i have laugh out loud when i'm reading it at night and i wanted to ask where you got that from where did you get your humor from anka <laughs> because uh, yeah do you I'm, have an answer sure. to that no, i'm not sure that's naturally there i think the writing the book gave me permission just to just to just yeah. I mean, I do write a satirical column for the Tuts, but it's not always that funny. It's called Noise of New Zealand, which means news from New Zealand. Normally, I just use yeah. it to, to find some sort of quirky aspect about New Zealand, but it's not always written so I laugh out loud. Whereas in the book, I, I can, I, it's fun because I, I kind of had permission just to sort of just to create some scenarios yeah. that I thought were hilarious, and then. From that, I think it was around the time my book came out, I even had a little stand-up number for a while. Just oh, Amazing. Like, what? Stand-up yeah, comedy? 
Yeah, but only on a very, on a super low level at this, at this festival that I love to go to for, for a decade called Convergence. It's here in North Kent. Yeah. Little, lovely little sort of. I've heard of it, yeah. Um, hippie festival um, and and they always have a cabaret night. So I mean, it's, like I said, it's a, it's nothing professional. It was at the cabaret night at a small festival. Yeah, um, but hold on a minute. Has this been filmed? But I, no, but I, yeah, the festival has about three hundred people, and I created this persona called Frau Messerschmidt. And Frau Messerschmidt, <laughs> and I think it, it sort of rolled on for my book. Frau Messerschmidt was this yeah. professor. Um, for um, I think anthropology or something or computer yeah. cultural studies and with a very heavy German accent I really, really like to put that on yeah <laughs> I was, just, I was just really playing with it going around checking all the recycling bins you know that was done properly and so so the joke was always on my Germanic nature and you know that's I think it's it's a I once read or heard it's a it's a thing that a lot of comedians you know, I'm not I'm certainly not a comedian I would I would hopelessly fail but oh yeah hundred percent you, know, you are it's a common tool in comedy that you kind of turn you have a weakness of something and you turn the joke on yourself and for instance yeah. um, let's say if if you're balding you know you're 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 big fat old comedian who's balding or something and you, you make lots of jokes about yourself being fat and that that, that works you know people yeah because they kind of feel for you at the same time they really appreciate your your self-candidness yeah, yeah. So i'm kind of doing i think maybe in, in a little while in, in a little in some ways i'm doing this in my book and i certainly did this on stage a few times with this with this character i've i built and she was called messerschmidt did it ever get filmed anke Oh yeah, I mean on someone's someone's <laughs> I'm gonna look for this. You can't find you can it. You can find it somewhere. Oh, who knows? YouTube is pretty it's pretty out there. Um two things I wanted to tell you was so when I was about fifteen years old at my school in Munich, I went to an international school and we had we had a lot of um children from Scientologists at our school because oh, wow. it was like um, like Thomas Gottschalk and like that whole like a lot of the sort of acting directors wanted their kids to learn English. Thomas Gottschalk was not a Scientologist. He was, he was for a brief period of time, Seriously? and he was. Yep. That would have been a massive story. I was a show. So, I was a celebrity reporter back then. That would have totally been. A story. Hey, well, this is where I'm getting at. So the Bavarian Innenministerium or something. I got paid to do a story on the children of Scientologists at our school. And I was like a little, that was one of my first investigative wow. reports that I got wow. to write. And yeah, well, didn't it get, it had some banned status put on it. I don't think it's legal in Germany anymore to practice openly Scientology. I don't think it's, I mean, I left Germany. I think it's, or at least, or, or Bavaria, at least. There's some Einschränkung yeah. on the practicing of it. Because they did this massive push saying, oh, my God, we don't want this cult. To this. And that would have been around the time that you would have gone to. Oh, no, it wouldn't have. We're the same age. <laughs> no, I'm a bit older than you, Christopher. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think the hot phase for um, Scientology when they really came. Um, it's like uh, the late 90s, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah, it was. No, it was, yeah. it was um, earlier than that. So I lived in Hamburg in the... Um, Oh, no, actually, you're right. In the 90s. Yeah, so mid-90s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. mine would have been 92 when I was commissioned to do that as me and another guy in my school. Um, so yeah. that was one connection. I have researched cults yeah. before, so <laughs> not to the extent that yeah. you have. 
researcher from 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 way back. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Germany has these um, what they call Sektenbau. Really strict rules. Yeah. But they they have actual agencies um, which a lot of European European countries have, and I think Australia as well. And unfortunately, New Zealand is lacking that. They actually have a government-run um, or state-run um, agency, agency um, in each big yeah in each state. Um, yeah. to to combat um, cultic influence and this is and, mo and monitor it yeah, well maybe this will be the result of your book as well Anka. Well, who I knows hope, I hope that seriously it's I hope that one of the results of my books you're, you're absolutely right I hope that one of the results of my books will be more awareness and that uh, maybe yeah. get involved or other people can can get the ball rolling on something. not in a negative way but in a way where we try to understand it and like you said yeah, remove the stereotype. You know, I think we, we need and we need a um, government um, funded uh, office in New Zealand um, yeah. to help people get out of cults. Absolutely. Because so far, all these initiatives are like the Gloria Valivas Trust. They do amazing work. Um, but apart from that, I actually can't think of any other organization. And they're more or less um, self-funded, I think. And yeah. um, you have the odd um, counselor. And I, I, it's not even that that's really well known who is actually a good counselor in New Zealand. There aren't that many, but we have a lot of people, especially now with this influx of people who left Gloraville, yeah. who've come out of, of cults. And there are still people from Centrepoint, and I know one, one is in my book, who's only now, after so many years, started therapy because it's taken wow. that long to even trust a therapist because she wasn't yeah i can imagine because center point was a therapy card and they had this stuff shoved down their throat and she hates the jargon and she doesn't trust therapists and she was one of the most severely sexually abused children at, at center wow point. man and she tells her story in my book and now she's finally getting therapy so you know we it's still needed for for for, for people who came out of cults 20 years ago and for those who are still in them and for those who will be coming out of them soon so yeah I, I'm, I'm a big advocate for yes we need more understanding we need more more teachers who can teach about culture yeah. at school we need more people in the legal system who understand it because for instance if you think of all the court cases that are now happening with people um you know around gloria bell sometimes imagine yeah. you're a young girl and you've been sexually abused uh, in gloria bell you're finally on the outside as a young woman you're actually taking your abuser to court which is already huge right for, for anyone yeah. taking her abuser to court and then you sit in this courtroom and you have all these male lawyers over you and and it suddenly re-traumatizes you and brings you back into these servant and shepherd meetings yeah yeah where 12 men will be around you for three hours yelling at you telling you oh. you're a slut and you need to repent and you seduce the man who's actually sexually abused you so, yeah. so what do you do you shut down and you sit in this courtroom and you don't know how to speak up for yourself so so people need to understand in all these areas, whether it's the police, whether it's mental health, whether it's it's um, lawyers and judges, they all need to understand cultic dynamics better. So yeah, it's it's not enough having TV series about Gloria Bell on on TV that just glorify like we've had it with TV, yeah. you know, state funded, basically PR material for Gloria Bell where they're just shown in a sugar coated totally idealized uncritical way um and people are fascinated with that and then they they mock it and they think it's just oh you know someone global ha, 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 and they think it's all a big joke but no yeah there are real people there and some of them are, are suffering and 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 there there's 
there are human rights violations going on. And I tell yeah. you what, if this was not a misogynistic, patriarchal, deeply sexist cult, but let's say it was a racist cult, yeah, one that just yeah. wants to create a little, a mini apartheid in, in New Zealand because they can because it's their religious belief, right? I'm sure they could find yeah. something in the Bible they can base that on or whatever. Anyway, yeah. to say their whole ideology is not about um, men uh, men are, are more superior to women, but why yeah. they're more superior to black people. Imagine, do you think they would they could exist here? Don't you think there would be no. crimes outside? Do you think people wouldn't boycott their products? Yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, you know, would sign petitions against them? But here it's like yeah. a big joke. Oh, look at the clothes they wear and they're all glue and oh, isn't it all weird yeah yeah so that's that's what i'm i'm sorry i'm i'm, I'm on a bit of i love that no it's amazing okay it's it's a sign of it's almost something deeper within society that you're stri like the whole the way society still has these patriarchal tendencies that we overlook yes and that and because of that we somehow tolerate things a bit more when it comes to that no it's perfect no it's amazing i was going to ask when is your when is your the dreaded question when is your deadline Oh my god, my, my deadline is my dreadline. My dreadline. <laughs> when is your dreadline? Your dreadlock line. And the oh, sweet. Out. Yeah, but then it's still a big process after that because I mean, yeah. that's sooner than you think with Christmas and everything. And then um, then it's still a long process with legalizing and editing. And I mean, there's so many legal issues around a book like that, as you yeah, as you can imagine. And then um, it comes out November next year. Exciting. Wow, and in November, all right, so we still have, so we've got a year to wait for it. Almost, yeah, but it was busy until Amazing. So can we, we'll have you on before that, I reckon, before yeah. the, when, when yeah. you've done it in March, I'd love to have you back to discuss things, because we've got oh, more yeah. to talk about. Last thing I wanted to say was, I was born in Stockholm, the, a couple of days after the Bada Meinhof gang took the German embassy hostage. Wow. <laughs> that's my claim oh, to wow. Bada Meinhof fame. That's, that's yeah. Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was born with Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> Amazing. Anke, thank you so much for taking time and everything. And we'll talk soon. Hey, thank much you. Much love so to Christchurch much. and Littleton. Great. We'll definitely we'll have to catch up in real life. We will, yeah? Definitely. <laughs> much you. love. Tschüssi. Bye. 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 Namahi and Kapai for listening to episode number 12 of Tekupu with Anke Richter. Um, that was a brilliant talk and I hope you guys all enjoyed it. And obviously all of the links that we spoke about in the podcast will be in the show notes. So check them out and yeah, check out Conspirituality, the podcast. It's brilliant. Um, hopefully we'll get Anka back in March when she's submitted her final draft of her book. Um, yeah, big shout out to her for revealing some of the contents before it's even gone to press yet. We are so lucky and privileged. And obviously I'll give links to all of Anka's other writing and especially her North and South articles about Gloria Vale and Centerpoint as they are really, really fantastic reads. She truly is a gifted writer and journalist. And as you could probably tell, very intrepid and fearless. So yeah enjoy um so coming up 
in the next weeks, I've got Antoinette Latouf, an Australian journalist and author of a new Penguin Random House book, How to Win Friends and Influence White People. Antoinette's a really, really great journalist and funny person, and this book is brilliant. I've had a look at some of the excerpts. And I'm also speaking with Jetem Hayer, an up-and-coming up children's book author and uh, creator of The Little Tiger with the Big Temper, a book about mindfulness and rearing children. Jetem is an amazing person, a dear friend, and a great mindfulness enthusiast. And we talk also a little bit about her meditation sessions that she's been recording. So we've got a lot to look forward to in December. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Kapai, much love. Bye.